You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah chapter number 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, in verse number three, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city... The place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Amen. And that's, uh, that's the, the text I want you to see, especially for today. If you get nothing else, the last phrase in verse number 8. Nehemiah says, according to the good hand of my God upon me. Don't you want to have the hand of God on you? I know I do. I'll tell you this, we need the hand of God upon us. I think about for these students going back to school in some tomorrow, some next week, some the following week, they need the hand of God upon them as they go to school. A new class, maybe a new teacher, new friends. Uh, for some, uh, it's a brand new school. They need the hand of God. I think about our teachers. Our teachers need the hand of God. Uh, as they stand in front of a classroom or as they drive a bus or as they work in an office or whatever it may be, they need the hand of God going back to school. But I'll tell you who else needs the hand of God. Every one of us. Because God's got something for us to do. And I'll tell you this, what God has for you to do, what God has for me to do is bigger than what we can do by ourselves. God never intended for us to live the Christian life on our own. As a matter of fact, it's impossible you're, you're going to come up empty. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be miserable if you try to do it on your own. But with the hand of God, there is no limit to what you and I can do with the good hand of God upon us. Lord, please speak to us. We need you today. We need your help. I pray that you'd give us exactly uh, what we need for our lives, for our families, for our marriages, for our children. I pray that you give these teenagers what they need. I think of our college students, some who have already left and some will be leaving these next few weeks. 
I pray that you'd watch over them. May they have the good hand of God upon them as they go to a new place and go to a new dorm and go to a new classroom and meet new people. I pray, Lord, that we would rely upon you and trust you. And I pray that we would uh, keep our focus upon you. And may we not lean unto our own understanding, but in all our ways, help us to acknowledge you. We pray that you would direct our paths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We saw in the last two weeks from Nehemiah chapter 1, we saw a burden to build. Today I want you to notice in Nehemiah chapter 2, the help of heavenly hands. We need some help today. And if you're honest, you need help. Some of you are like, I know I need help. Thanks for, thanks for reminding me. We all need help. We need the help, but not of human hands. We need the help of heavenly hands. I see number one in this passage. I'm going to jump right into it. But I see that there was a man by the name of Nehemiah who had a cheerful countenance. Now keep in mind, Nehemiah is faced with something that is bigger than him. There's no way he can rebuild the walls. There's no way he can overcome the obstacles. But Nehemiah, in spite of the obstacles, he had a cheerful countenance. Notice what it says in verse 1. It says now, verse number one, the end of the verse, now I had not been before time sad in his presence. You see, Nehemiah, in this case, there was something bothering him. But he said before this, I had never been sad. Every day I showed up for work and I was glad to be there. Now, I'm not saying that every one of us, you know, that you have to have the world's greatest job. But I'll tell you this, I think you ought to be happy campers wherever you go. I think as Christians, we ought to have a smile. You say, oh, no, I got to go grocery shopping. Oh, no, I got to go to Walmart. Oh, no, I got to go to Lowe's. Oh, it's going to be snow. Hey, I think that as Christians, I think we ought to be happy with everything and anything that we do. You say, oh, you don't understand. I've got yard work this week. Oh, I have to mow the lawn. Oh, I've got to do the, I've got to do the trim. Uh, I've got to repair this or I've got to do this. I understand life's not easy, but that doesn't mean we all have to be martyrs. That doesn't mean we all have to be miserable. God never intended for his people to be saved, to be born again on their way to heaven and then act like they're not going to heaven and then act like they don't know the Lord. There ought to be Christians today that have a cheerful countenance. What is your countenance? That word countenance, it just means your face. Have you ever talked to somebody and you thought, I don't know what's going on, but things are not good. And you could have told that before you ever talked to them just because you saw the look on their face. Maybe they were mad. Maybe they were angry. Maybe they were just uh, deep in thought. Maybe they were just pensive and just focused and concentrating. But as Christians, we ought to have a countenance. We ought to have a face that exemplifies and demonstrates and tells people we're happy because we're saved. We're happy because we know Jesus. God doesn't have to see your countenance because God sees your heart. But I want to remind you, people don't see your heart. People only see your face. Uh, Brother Dan was uh, in our staff orientation last week. He was talking about uh, a boss that he worked for years ago. And he said, that boss, he said, we always had to wonder what kind of mood the boss was going to be in. Well, when you go to work this week, you ought to be happy. I'm not saying that everything's a joke and everything is just, you know, you, you're carefree and, and casual. You ought to be serious. You ought to be focused. 
but you ought to have some joy. Uh, you say, well, I'm happy on the inside. Well, good. Let your face know on the outside so the rest of us know as well. Nehemiah was a man of a cheerful countenance. Proverbs 15, the Bible says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is broken. Nehemiah was a man with a cheerful countenance. Number two, I want you to notice, Nehemiah was a man of consistency. It says that he had not been before time sad in his presence. Here's what that means. Nehemiah, just every day, he went to work and he had a good day. You say, well, do you think Nehemiah ever had problems? Well, duh, he was human. I'm sure he had problems. Do you ever have problems? Sure you do. Do I ever have problems? Sure I do. But I'm not going to let the problems determine my countenance. I'm not going to let the problems dictate my spirit. I'm not going to let the problems determine if I'm going to have a good day or not. Nehemiah didn't come to work saying, oh, my team lost last night. It's going to be a bad day. Nehemiah didn't come to work say, oh, man, the dog got loose. and I had to chase the dog around the neighborhood. It's going to be a bad day. Nehemiah was a man that had consistency. May God help us as Christians to be consistent. I wonder, do your coworkers see a person that is consistent when they see you? What about your spouse? What about your children? You know what? Our families, they see the best and they see the worst of us, don't they? But they ought to be able to see somebody who is consistent. I was listening a week or two ago. I was listening to a message by Brother Dean Miller. He pastors out in... Um, Colorado, excuse, yeah, Colorado, and um, he's been here for our Teen Spectacular, but he said this, he said, emotions are good things. We all, we all have emotions, and that's normal. It, it, it's perfectly normal. It's perfectly acceptable to have emotions. I, I love it that there's times where we can laugh. I love it there's times we can rejoice. I don't always enjoy it, but can I tell you, it's good for you sometimes to cry. It's good for us to cry. You say, well, I don't want to ever show emotions. Well, eventually you're going to have to. If you just hold it in, uh, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Uh, I've seen people that go through funerals or go through hard times and they never show emotions. And I know everybody's different. But emotions are not bad. Emotions are normal. How about this? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Jesus was moved with compassion. How about this verse? Be angry and sin not. Did you know it's okay to get angry sometimes? But the question is, what do you get angry about? I hope we get angry about sin. I hope we get mad at the devil. I hope we don't get angry at our family members. I hope we don't get angry at our friends. I hope we don't get angry with our church members. But emotions are a part of life. But here's what Brother Miller said this. He said, emotions are wonderful companions on the journey of life but emotions are terrible drivers. And some Christians, they let the emotions not only have the keys, they let them have the steering wheel. Some Christians allow their emotions to control their life. And if you allow your emotions to control your life, it's going to be a miserable life. You can't let your emotions control you. You must let the Holy Spirit control you. You must let the truth of the Word of God govern your life and direct your life rather than your emotions. Number one, I see he had a cheerful countenance. Number two, I see he was consistent. But number three, I see there was a change. There was a change in his countenance. The king said, why is thy countenance sad? 
Verse 3, Nehemiah said, why shouldn't I be sad? And then he says, because of Jerusalem. He said, my city. He said, the walls are torn down. The gates have been burned with fire. He said, I am emotional. I'm sad. I'm brokenhearted because of the condition of my nation. I want to say today, it ought to bother us when we think about people that don't know the Lord. That ought to bother us. There ought to be some tears. There ought to be compassion. There ought to be brokenness when we think about people that have gotten away from God, people that don't uh, go to church, people that don't read their Bible, people that don't pray, people that don't serve God. That ought to bother us. We ought to pray for those people. There ought to be emotions. And for Nehemiah, there was a change. Something happened in Nehemiah's life. It's not bad. It's not wrong to be emotional. But the question is, what's your reason? And Nehemiah's reason was a good reason to get emotional because he saw the spiritual condition of his nation. I want you to notice verse number three. He talked about the city, lieth waste. We saw that last week, the condition city. We see that verse number four last week. We saw the king asked Nehemiah, he said, Nehemiah, what can I do for you? And Nehemiah apparently said, I'll have to get back to you on that one, king. I got to go ask somebody else first. It's almost like Nehemiah said to the king, he said, king, I appreciate you being willing to help, but I need to talk to God about it first. The king said, what is your request? And Nehemiah said, I need to pray. I need to talk to God. Now keep in mind, Nehemiah is talking to the king who is the, 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 the number one ruler in the world at the time. He's talking to the king of the medial Persian empire, but it's as if he says, king, there's somebody higher than you that I need to talk to. There's a God in heaven that I've got to pray to. Can you imagine if you had the ear of the president and you knew that the president was going to do whatever you asked and instead of asking the president, you said, I need to talk to God first. Well, I got news for you. You may never get the ear of the president, but you've got the ear of God. And he's listening and he wants to hear from you and so many times, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We see his call to heaven. Even before telling the king, he said, I need to let God know my request. Number four, I see the commission of the king. The king in verse number five uh, and verse number six, the king said, go for it. The king said, you have my blessing. You have my provision. I want you to go. I want you to check it out. I want you to do what you can to help your city. The king gave his blessing. and The king gave his provision on Nehemiah's mission. Now, I want to say this. I know we're talking about the king at uh, Artaxerxes here. I know we're talking about a, a, a human king. But let's make the application. Did you know we have a commission from a heavenly king? Did you know our king has said, I want you to go? I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to go. I want you to be a witness. I want you to go. I want you to serve me. I want you to go. I want you to trust me. And our king has given us his blessing. He's given us his protection. He has promised us that he will take care of us. As these students go back to school these next few weeks, and as the teachers go back to school, I want to remind you, you're not going back alone. You're not entering that school, school building on your own. You've got somebody going with you. The king says, I'm not only sending you, I'm not only going to take care of you, but the king of kings and lord of lords says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What a commission. 
And what a promise from our king. King Artaxerxes says to Nehemiah, he says, I want you to go. It says it pleased the king. Verse number six, it pleased the king to send me. The commission from the king. But number five, I want you to see Nehemiah's confidence. Nehemiah had letters of authority from the king. Nehemiah had provision from the king. And by the way, the king was pretty wealthy. The king had everything you could have asked for. The king had everything you could have dreamed of. But that was not Nehemiah's confidence. Notice what it says in verse number 8. After all the things that the king did, it says, And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Nehemiah said, the king may have given me these things, but it's all because of God. The king may have blessed me and the king may have provided for me, but I know where all that good stuff came from. It all came from God. And I want to remind us today that anything good in our lives is all because of God. You say, well, but you don't understand. My boss, my boss gives me whatever I want. My boss gives me as much money as I want and gives me as much time off as I want. And my boss, he does whatever, and, and maybe so. But who do you think put it on the heart of that boss to do that? You say, well, it's because I'm such a good worker. Well, maybe you are. Well, who do you think gave you the strength to go to work? Who do you think gave you that mind to work? Can I tell you, anything good in our lives is because of God. And Nehemiah recognized it was the good hand of his God that was upon him. I wonder this morning, could you say with confidence that God's hand is on you? We'll talk more about it next week. There's a difference between being in God's hand for salvation and having God's hand upon you for blessing. I think about how important it is to have good hands helping you. I, I mentioned this in the early service, but uh, we've, in the last month or so, we've helped some people move. And first of all, I don't mind helping people move. Um, if I can help, I'm glad to do it. Um, I can't help as much as I used to. You know, back when I was in my teens and my 20s or whatever, you remember those days you could work all day and then go play basketball for three hours that night and then get up early the next morning and, you know, do it all again. But, you know, nowadays it's like you feel it. You know, you, you feel it. This this last week, uh, I guess a week ago, I, I actually played a game of basketball, half court, mind you. I played a half court game of basketball. I hadn't played basketball, I think, over a year since I'd played basketball. The next morning, I helped somebody move some, some furniture. It was a pretty heavy piece of furniture. And can I tell you, I was feeling it. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was, I was feeling it. Now, at the time, I thought, I, I've got this. But it's later. You ever notice that? It's like, at the time, you're doing good. But later, you pay for it. Well... I don't mind helping people move. But first of all, I personally, I hate moving. I don't wish moving on my worst enemy. Can I tell you, moving is awful. I hate it. I will tell you how much I hate it. I have told my wife, there is one, possibly two, but for, for sure there's one piece of furniture in our house I told my wife, I said, if we ever move, that piece is not going with us. I said, now, if you don't want the people that stay to have it, I said, I will chop it up with an ax, but I will not move that piece of furniture. You ask Brother Nathan, he helped me move that piece of furniture a year or two ago. 
I, I, I don't know how they could make something so heavy. I mean, you talk, it's, this thing is not, not cheaply made. It was, it was actually not that expensive, but one, it's not cheaply made. It is heavy, it is solid, and it is massive. And you know what I'm going to say. And it had to go upstairs <laughs> and over the banister and around the corner to get in the room where it was supposed to go. We did that. And I told my wife, I said, Joanna, I love you. You know I love you because I moved this piece of furniture in the house for you. But I will not, I will not move it out. And that's a promise. And by the way, how many of you know if you make a promise, you ought to keep a promise, right? And I intend to keep that. So, so therefore, we can't move uh, because we've got that piece of furniture that's not moving with us. But it's amazing when, when you're moving. It's an amazing thing when you see that empty truck and you see that full, jam-packed garage. And that's, we're not even talking about the house yet. And you know how much stuff has got to get out of the house to get in that truck. And you think, this is not going to happen. It's impossible. And then you start thinking about how heavy some of those pieces are, like the piece I just described. And you think, there's no way. But isn't it amazing when help starts showing up and you get two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight and, and people and you're thinking, I don't have to do this by myself. And not only that, but if you're going to move, you get people to come that are stronger than you are and younger than you are because then you can transition into a supervisory role and of course, of course, have your phone handy and tell some friends, say, could you call me at this time? Because I'm going to need a break at this time. And could you call me at this time and leave your ringer on so everybody knows you're not faking it. You're actually getting a call, right? And you got to take a break and then you come back and say, oh, wow, you guys have gotten a lot done the last hour while I was on that phone call. But it's amazing to me what a difference it makes when you've got some good hands that are helping you. I, I've told this story, I know I've told this story before. I remember a time in California and it, it, nobody else's fault. It was kind of a last minute thing. I remember I called Brother Dan and he wasn't available. And I think a couple of our college students at the time, they were on vacation. And, and, but I had, I had a day, I had to get some things moved from storage. We were moving out of one place and moving into storage and moving into another place and the other place wasn't ready. And I remember just thinking, I can do this. I mean, what, what could you not move by yourself if you had a furniture dolly? I mean, you can do it. What I had not taken into consideration was the ramp on the truck. And when you've got a refrigerator, and it's strapped onto the dolly, but you've got a refrigerator and you've got to get that thing up the ramp. That's not a smart idea because you can't see where you're going. And those ramps on those moving trucks, they don't make those things wide enough. I'll tell you that much right now. And if you don't turn it exactly right, you're going off with, with the refrigerator. And I remember being so frustrated. I, I just remember thinking, I just, I got to get this done. And every man in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When the clock is ticking and you got something that needs to get done and it's got to get done that day, you say, if I have to kill myself, I'm going to get this thing done. I am not going to put it off. And then i got to do it all over again some other day with a truck and all that stuff. 
But I remember that, I'll never forget the thought I had when I was trying to get that refrigerator moved and on that, that dolly. I thought, first of all, my wife's going to get a phone call, say, do you know this guy? He's over here at the, uh, at the store, Jerry. He's crushed under a refrigerator. The idiot tried to do it himself. But I'll never forget just thinking, if I just had another set of hands, if I just had a little bit of help, well, I got news for you. Help is available for every one of us here today. You don't have to do it by yourself. As a matter of fact, why are you trying? Why am I trying? Why are we struggling so hard to do it by ourselves when the hands of God are available? Let me tell you how powerful those hands are. They're the hands that hold the universe in place. They're the hands that have all power. There's nothing too heavy for God. There's nothing too big for God. There's nothing too hard for God. They're good hands. They're strong hands, and they are experienced hands. Have you ever had somebody help you move? And you're like, they've never done this before. I mean, they're a disaster. I mean, you truly have to supervise. But then I've had people help, and I thought, they've done this before. They know exactly how to stack. They know exactly how to get things in. They know exactly how to get everything hooked up. And you think, these guys are experienced. Well, I got news for you. When God shows up to help you with your problem, you're not the first person he's ever helped. And you won't be the last one either. The pages of Scripture are filled with stories and filled with accounts of people that were in impossible situations and God helped them. And what God did for somebody else, I'm glad that He can do for you and He can do for me. These hands are good hands. They're strong hands. They're skilled hands and they're experienced hands. Nehemiah said this, if we're going to get this building done, if we're going to get this wall built up, he said it's going to be because of the good hand of our God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.